Shalom and thank you for listening to Progressively Jewish, the podcast where you can explore and connect to Judaism through a progressive Jewish lens. I'm Rabbi Richard Jacobin. It's my pleasure to host this week's episode for the portion of Shoftim, which covers Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 18 to chapter 21, verse 9. Shoftim is translated as judges or magistrates, which introduces us to the system of justice that underpins a society. Two verses into the portion comes the trigger verse for our conversation this week. Tzedek Tzedek Tirdof, Lema'an Tichyeh V'yarashta Et Ha'aretz Asher Adonai Elohecha Noten Lach. Justice, justice shall you follow, so that you may live and take possession of the land which the Eternal One your God is giving you. For such an important topic, we've got a slightly longer episode than usual, and I do apologise now that we couldn't find a way of removing some of the whistling that you might hear as one of our participants speaks. To explore the topic of justice with me are two people who have taught me a lot over recent decades, and I'm delighted to welcome them today. Our first guest is Edie Friedman, who was born in Chicago and very much influenced by the civil rights movement in the States. Edie set up JCOR, the Jewish Council for Racial Equality in 1976. She's a regular speaker and writer on race and asylum issues, authoring and co-authoring books and educational resources. Edie, it's a great pleasure to have you here with us this morning. Thank you very much, Richard, for inviting me. I'm really delighted to to be here and to participate with both you and Jackie in this very important topic. Thank you. Thanks, Edie. Lovely to have you here. And our second guest is Rabbi Jackie Tabak who is the first woman rabbi to be ordained by a European seminary, Leobet College, in 1975. Jackie served reform and liberal communities as well as acting as the convener of the Reform Beit Din. A pioneer in very many ways, including of interfaith work internationally, Jackie has been a patron of JCOR for a number of years. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you so much, Richard. It's really a, an honour to be with you today. And, and can I just say, I remember, well, terrible thing to say this, I remember 1976, um, Edie sitting in Rabbi Hugo Grin's office talking about the founding of Jacob. Uh, that's how far back she and I go, and it's just lovely to be with her today. That, that's great, and I, I, I think that both of you are going to bring so many decades worth of experience of exploring justice topics in the widest sense of the term. Um, and that's where I'm looking forward. And, and in a way, you've, you've queued up that first question. The phrase that we're using as a jumping off point in the parasha for this week is tzedek tzedek tirdof, justice, justice shall you follow. And I wonder what you both understand by that phrase. And in particular, why is it that that word tzedek is repeated when you might argue once would be enough? Edie, may I come to you first? Of course. Well, I guess the most obvious thing to say is that it, it's repeated because it, it, for the sake of emphasis, 
And I do worry that sometimes the theory and the practice depart in, in many ways. And we need to constantly remind ourselves about the centrality of, of social justice with, within our tradition. And also, I, I think we need to have much more debate about the difference between social action, which I think we as a community are terrific at, and social justice, and see how the two have to be linked all the time if we're really going to make the improvements that, that we need in our society. Thank you, Edie. And, and Jackie, what are your, your thoughts on this? Um, I, I was reminded of a conversation I had with one of West London Synagogue's uh, lawyers many, many years ago, who told me um, we were dealing with a terrible case of a, of a Holocaust, uh, someone who'd come over from Germany just before the war and had set up uh, homes for uh, people who had been displaced by the Holocaust after, you know, after 1945. And she was in danger of losing her own home because of a solicitor who had misbehaved. And he said to me, don't think that you can equate legal formalities with justice. The two don't go together. Mm. So for me, um, justice, justice, Sedek, Sedek, is uh, a reminder that there are, there are, of course, legal processes that have to be correct in any society for it to be considered civilised. <clears throat> and those are really important that we get them right. Um, but there has to, alongside that, uh, be a sense in society for the, uh, the equality, the social justice um, that Edie was mentioning um, between all peoples in that society. So um, for me, that is why the, there is that um, repetition of the word, uh, one for the legal and one for the greater uh, encompassing uh, notion of social justice within our society. Thank, thank you both. And, and I think that's uh, one of the, the interpretations I most appreciate about that, that duplication. Um, and, and there's also this sense of, I, I, and I think it is a traditional interpretation too, of justice must not only be done, it must be seen to be done. And that's something about the transparency, which is a very common topic being related to. Mm -hmm. And and then you've, you've touched on both of you, this phrase social justice. And I wonder, Edie, if I could come back to you for a second, just to clarify perhaps for our listeners, What's, what do you see as the difference between social action and social justice? Well, if I could just give you an example um, that many people, and it's really important, uh, will give to a food bank. And of course, this is something because people need to eat all the time. It has to be done on a sort of permanent basis, alas. But equally, I think we need to ask, why do we have food banks in the first place? And when I first came to this country from the United States, I came from a country where hunger was a, a, a big issue. In fact, there was a war on hunger. I came to a country where I didn't hear much conversation or action about hunger. That has changed fundamentally in the 40 plus years that I've been here. And I think we have to ask ourselves why? What has gone wrong in our society that we have such levels of, of 
hunger and poverty and all the things that go with it in terms of homelessness, ill health, etc. So I think we always, because of supporting individuals and families, we always have to do the doing. But I think we have to not be fearful of the political process so that we could ask that question, why? And I think the why is such an important question, uh, thing that we do with as Jews. And I think we have to be reminded about bringing back the why all the time and how then we could use that to, to make the necessary change. Thank you, Edie, that, that's very helpful clarification. Jackie, you wanted to respond. Um, well, well, really, um, to, to bring what you said and Edie said together, that you talked about transparency. Um, and for me, uh, a big issue in our society is um, transparency of how the legal processes are being carried out uh, in the sense of everybody should be equal before the law and everybody should have to observe law in the same way. Um, and not um, somehow uh, find their way round laws uh, when it's convenient if they have power to do so. Because without that transparency, um, that's where we end up with society where hunger has become a social issue, uh, if you like, um, where people are hiding behind uh, power structures um, and not therefore obeying the law of the land in the way that most of us would expect us to you know expect to do thank you and I'm, I'm reminded by both of you and what you've been saying of something that was being talked a lot about last summer in particular in response to the killing of george floyd in in the states and also in its own different way the the murder of um, Sarah Everard um, in this country, which is that, you know, through history, we've seen times when what has been legal is something that we would undoubtedly find immoral. Mm. So, you know, if we look back to just over a century ago, it was legal for no women to be allowed to vote. What the suffragettes and suffragists, the suffragettes in particular were doing was illegal. Similarly, Rosa Parks was breaking the law when she sat in that segregated bus mm. because what was segregation was at that point legal. And so there has to be somewhere this greater picture that you began us, us with, doesn't there, of the, the laws have to feel that they're moral and sound to the overwhelming majority of the population not be dictated by some minority and imposed on the others and and it's how we find that balance i think that's going to yeah. be um, really important and the transparency of the processes by which we get to those rules are one of the ways of making sure that we have sound laws that that are fair and are fairly implemented. So we'll, we'll no doubt explore a little bit more. I, I wanted to develop the, the, the topic a little bit with you both because we often see justice nowadays being prefaced by some kind of adjectival term. 
Um, and economic justice is one, social justice is another we've already used, racial justice is a third we've touched on. Given that we're having this conversation on the morning that the IPCC's uh, report on climate change has been published, we've also seen other phrases like environmental justice and also this sense of intergenerational justice um, being talked about now, which I, I think is a relatively new concept. And But I wondered what you feel that these adjectival terms add to our understanding of justice and, and are they needed? And if so, why are they needed? So maybe I could, I could come to Jackie first on, on this uh, expansion of the topic. Can I give a, a, a medical um, parallel to this? Um, you know, there are <clears throat> many specialities in medicine um, where people um, spend many, 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 many years um, looking at one specific uh, problem or area of the body and how it works. Mm. And this is actually very important because they can go to a depth that is uh, needed to find remedy, to find cure, to find whatever. But on the other hand, um, the body is one person, yeah? And a doctor also, in my view, has to understand that somebody's left toe actually belongs to a body. Um, I, I always remember, my, um, sorry for a personal anecdote, but my mum had, had been in hospital as many years ago now in hospital because she'd had um, some problems, some terrible problems with her uh, digestive system. Um, and the specialist came in, he was, he was lovely, he was somebody I knew from West London, he was a lovely, gorgeous guy. And he came in and he looked at my mother and said to the nurses there, haven't you noticed she's having a heart attack? You see, they had only been concerned mm. with her digestive system and how it wasn't working. So they didn't look at the whole person and notice that actually her heart had malfunctioned. See, and that to me is, is mm. you know, the names are really, really, the individual labels to me are really great um, to, to get um, us, you know, this new one into generational justice. Wow, that hits me as an older person, you know, uh, you know and, and my triple lock on my pension and is that just and all those sorts of questions. Um, and my ability uh, with, our, with my husband to have been able to buy a house, which, you know, it, it, it hits me and it's important it hits me. Um, but we also have to keep an eye on the wider and, and the trouble is i've been using social justice as the widest sort of word i can think of um because to me social justice includes everything and it has to be um based on our jewish concept of the fact that we are all but elohim made in the image of god and that that for me is is the, the key um, to this area um, seeing each person even those we don't like um, and that's hard 
uh, made in the image of God and therefore they have a place in the wholeness and in the unity of the world created by a unity of God, a God who is one. Thank you sense. so much, Jackie. That, that's been lovely and, and very educative for me as well. Edie, how would you respond? Well, I, I mean, I, you know, what Jackie said, I, I think is, it is so relevant and, and so perfect, really. Uh, I think the only thing that I would add is that we have to be very, very careful because I see this trend in society occurring more and more where one group is played off against another group. And, and we have to, that's dangerous. And, and we know that if we do things in a certain way, that both groups or many groups um, can have their needs met. So it shouldn't be older people versus younger people. Uh, it shouldn't be white working class versus black working class, et cetera. So we, we need very much to, to remind ourselves of that. And we need to constantly, to go back to our first question, see the centrality of social justice within Jewish tradition. But if we're going to do something about the many areas of injustice in society, we have to be very specific. So we have to have targets to do something about child poverty. We have to have very clear procedures to deal with racial inequality of what, so it isn't just about showing solidarity with black and Asian communities, but it is looking at those things within our society, within our structures, which mean that black and Asian people very often um, do not get the same treatment as, as white people. So like so many things in life, it's that balance, isn't it, between the, the, the global um, and the specific, but we always have to be absolutely focused on, on both of them so that we don't lose one at the expense of, of the other. And because life is complicated as well, which is another message we sometimes need to remind ourselves and, and therefore getting down to the specifics of how we're going to do something about the injustice, what actual practical things can we put into place to change things is so fundamentally important. Um, I've been uh, following the, um, the, the simple duff, you're me. I've, I tried to do the, the whole thing and I couldn't do it, looking at a whole page of Talmud every day. I just don't have the time or energy. But I've been looking at the uh, one being produced by um, MyJewishLearning.com. Um, and, you know, think, uh, to me, there's no coincidence, as I was taught by uh, one of our teachers at the Yvette College, that to the religious mind, there's no coincidence. So last night, when I was just catching up on the last few days of, of the Daf Yomi, because even that I can't do every day, I, I came across this wonderful, wonderful piece, which I'd love to share with you. Um, it was talking uh, about, believe it or not, can you use a stolen lulav? Yes, if someone's got a lulav that they've stolen from someone, can they use it to perform a religious ritual? And based on that, they're talking about um, this, this whole area of justice. And um, they say um, uh, uh, that God doesn't care about how we act, but how we act, sorry, God does not care just about how we act, but how our actions embody principles and values. Mm. And they quote um, Mayor of Lublin, a 17th century Polish rabbi, 
who looks at the text of Isaiah, uh, one of the verses of Isaiah, where it says, For I, the Lord, love justice of humans that behave justly and do not engage in thievery or violence. And then this uh, mayor of Lublin continues, God does not love justice as an abstract concept, but as one enacted by humans. When we create a world of care and justice, where we, the desire to bring justice truly drives human beings, we bring delight to God. Boy. That, that's, that's a lovely Boy. teaching. Yes, indeed. And that, that really brought tears almost to my eyes last night when I read it, you know. Well, uh, it's great because both of you have, have touched on, Edie, you did so earlier, about that justice cannot be an abstract concept. It is how it is um, implemented that really decides whether uh, there is justice in the lived experience of people. Mm. And so that takes me really to, to the work that, and if I start with you, Edie, that, that you are still compelled, feel compelled and, and driven to do with the Jewish Council for Racial Equality. Mm. And I just wonder if you could talk for, for a, a moment or two about how you see that advancing this concept of justice? Well, I mean, it's quite interesting. I've been doing JCOR for over 40 years and we've never been short of, <laughs> of an issue or issues uh, to deal with. Sometimes they come thick and fast. You know, last year we had the, the murder of George Floyd. We had, um, a really in-depth look at the way COVID has disproportionately affected minority communities, which rang a lot of bells about the injustices that many of these communities face in a whole range, whether it's housing, health, um, et cetera. So it, it really put the spotlight on this inequality. And now we have the, the new immigration plan, which um, will fundamentally alter the way person seeking asylum will be able to come to this country, get um, asylum, and regain the dignity that they lost in their lives, regain the ability to participate and be a full human being in a, in a different society. So there are lots of challenges to this, to this bill. And one of our one of our challenges is just to alert others within the community that this is happening and then to get people engaged in that political process as highlighting the Jewish voice, but working with the almost now 300 other organizations up and down the country who have formed a coalition which JCORS is a part of so that we could hopefully get some changes to what some people are saying really quite outrageous <laughs> uh, legislation. And we have to put our heads above the parapet all the time. And we haven't really had a period where we could go away and just let things uh, develop as they will. We have to be absolutely in the forefront of saying, stop, no that we want a different sort of society. 
and certainly COVID, the, the death of, of George Floyd has really shown a very bright spotlight. And you, you know, Jackie and Richard, people are talking about we need another 1945 moment when the war finished we were looking at creating a welfare state. We were looking at creating a, a national health service, which I still think is a jewel <laughs> in the world's crap. And we need another one of these because we have seen so many things wrong in our society. So it, it gives us this opportunity to, to go back both to the drawing board, to each other and to say, Let's work together for a different source of society that we can all participate in as full human beings. And, and certainly now, this, this is the moment yet again, and let us not um, close our eyes to it. I hope that all our listeners will feel that they're not only listening uh, with their ears here, but they're, they're allowing their eyes to be opened uh, as as you're you're both talking and Jackie in a very different way um, we we acknowledge both of us that uh, the work of a progressive baked in is not in the legal sense the administration of justice and yet it does have a an important role in setting some of the standards I, I think in the um, creating an approach to justice. And I, I just wonder what your feelings are, having been Dina <coughs> and Rabbi for a, a while about both Beit Din and, and the Rabbinet uh, in terms of applying the, the principles of, of justice. Yeah, the, it's very interesting because we're called Beit Din, the house of law. Um, and really, in the progressive world, um, our main job is to do a status, um, either um, in the reform uh, um to do mostly with conversion, but also with adoption or um, divorce. Um, and um, I mean, there are the odd things that um, I'm sure the all batty didn't get involved with, uh, where people have disputes. Um, and uh, especially a congregation and its rabbi and rather than bring it to an outside source we deal with it very quietly by having conversations uh, within the Bet Din uh, trying to ensure um, a just listening for both parties um, but in terms of the of the everyday work that we do um, I see it uh, I see my role something I learnt from Rabbi Lionel Blue, who uh, would say that he learnt it from his predecessors, um, that my job as a convener is to do the absolute best I can for the person who's in front of me. Mm. And that might be um, the candidate coming to the Bet Din, or it might be one of my rabbis sitting on a court or sponsoring someone. Uh, and somehow I have to try and bring a sense of appreciation for the differences that are before us, an appreciation for the 
incredible hard work all these groups do, an appreciation for an ability to listen to each other um, and to respect each other's uh, thoughts and, 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 and work and devotion. Um, to bring about a, a, a bet in where there is a sense of equity, where people are being treated, um, you can't say they're all treated the same, because they can't be, people are different, you know, you can't ask somebody um, who has not had the benefit of tertiary education necessarily the same questions as you'd ask someone who has a PhD in Jewish studies, mm -hmm. uh, you know. <laughs> There has to be different ways of, of being with people, but to treat everybody um, as someone who is equal in the sight of God, that's where we have to, that's if you like what we have to do. Um, and um, obviously the, the areas of, uh, in, in Gitim, we've had difficult cases where um, we only deal with a get uh, with a divorce once it's gone through an English law court. Um, but even so, when the court case comes to us, we can often feel the enmity uh, between the partners that has not in any sense been resolved. And we have to somehow thread our way um, to make sure uh, that there is an equity there. Uh, in Orthodox Batedin, uh, women cannot apply for a, 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 a get, um, and are, they are often left as agunot, as people who are unable to uh, remarry in a synagogue because their husband refuses to give them a get. Um, this has been part, been been actually aired in the press recently, um, and sometimes it's because the husband has such anger in him, uh, sometimes it's because they want something, uh, usually monetary value. Um, in the progressive Betin, in the reform Betin that I run, we have a process whereby we encourage the husband to participate, but if after three times they won't, then we will act on their behalf, <laughs> in, his good, in his best interests, uh, let alone the wife, and give the wife a get so that she can remarry at least in a progressive synagogue. Um, so in that sense, we are carrying out, I think, something of uh, uh, making sure that um, gender is not... Um, and of course, in our courts, um, we are now looking at um, people who are coming who are um, of, of different gender uh, status or who have no gender that they wish. and trying to deal with their, where they are in their lives at this moment is quite challenging for us all, I think. Mm. Um, maybe because I'm of an older generation, maybe. Um, but I think it's challenging uh, to try and get the processes right um, for these people. And I suppose that's where the, the Bet Din fits into this justice, uh, this, this um, desire for justice in our society. Thank, thank you so much, Jackie. And I, I think there is 
um, of, of that wider richness of, of what is justice and um, that it A, goes beyond narrow legal definitions and what you said earlier is so important, I think in that regard that we shouldn't confuse the process of law with the finding of or determining of justice. And also I think that sense of what are the values that underpin the judicial systems and how do those update, which is where I think we all have that sense of progressive um, evolution of, of the value systems in a society. And equally, the challenge that that gives us, if we want to be truly progressive, to discern what is a trend or a fad on the one hand, and what is a move towards a new revelation of an aspect of social justice and you know the the uh, the campaign in the last decade for equal marriage perhaps is one example of where we would say there has been uh, that shift towards a new understanding of what is just and what is fair and and it's easier to to lag behind because then you don't have to face these decisions uh, but I think we're all saying that our role is to be very near the, the vanguard, as we might say, rather than the guard's van, uh, which is at the back, um, in, in terms of, of determining what the difference is between a fad and a, uh, a new uh, meaning of, of social justice, of, of justice in the wider sense. We're going to conclude in a couple of minutes, but I, I can't resist entirely uh, coming to you, Edie, for something topical in terms of um, we, we've seen the interaction, I think, of, of, of different kinds of politics with a small p and a capital P and justice in the, the from my perspective, and I'm owning it straight away, a sad reality that the Board of Deputies failed to give you the necessary numbers of votes mm. to have JCOR as a member of the board. And I just wonder, a, a few weeks on from that, uh, what your takeaway is and how does that square with this discussion we've been having about justice and justice being pursued? Well, I think there's many things that we could say about uh, that event and also the fallout from it, uh, which has been very encouraging for, for JCOR in that a number of people have expressed the, the same uh, view that, that you have, Richard. I think one thing that, that it says to me, and as I say, there are many things that I think we need to look at as a community, is going back to something very basic to say, what do we mean by what is good for the Jews? And I think some people may interpret that in a more narrow way, that what is good for the, the Jews is a particular set of, of, of seeing the Jewish world, of reacting to things in the Jewish world, but can be quite inward looking, quite insular. And there's another way to ask the question, what is good for the Jews, is to see the place of Jewish people within the wider society. And I think this is, is where you know, our discussion today very much fits, fits into that, that 
Jewishness, and I'm not just talking about the religion, but, but Jewishness but for those who are also quite secular, but who nevertheless have a very strong identification with, with Jewishness, see that Jewishness has to be about our society. And what is good for the Jews is what's good for the rest of society uh, as well. We can't cut ourselves off and, and see that there are particular sets of things. I mean, obviously, every minority group has particular specific things that may only apply to them, and that has to be recognized. And we need to share that and negotiate that with others. But we mustn't ever lose sight of the fact that, that this thing of social justice, that our embrace of trying to make the world a better place is ultimately what is good for the Jews. And I think we need to have a lot of re, I don't know if I should say re-education, but I think we need to talk about that much more on every level, whether it's formal education within Jewish schools or whether it's in, in the cheder setting, adult education. I think we need to go back to first to very basic principles and, and to really examine what do we mean, what's good for the Jews. And I think that reflects a big division within our society now. And obviously from JCOR's perspective, what is good for the Jews is, is a, a, a world where racism, racial inequality is, is, is drastically reduced, where asylum seekers and refugees are given every opportunity to come here and to rebuild their, their lives. And of course, other organizations will, will also interpret this in, in their way. But I think we have to very much re-examine what do we mean by, by what is, is good for us. And that is not an easy process, but I think it's a very necessary and ultimately a healthy process for us as well. Thank you, Edie. And um, if I may, wait, we're running short of time. So Jackie, I won't come to you for a response on this point. It was a very specific thing um, for for Edie and for, for Jacor, and I do wish you well with this. And um, I'm certainly pleased that there has been a, a, a good groundswell of support for you. It does uh, seem to me, um, and I'll come to you in a second, Jackie, it does seem to me that there is something uh, vitally important for those people who are advocating a progressive uh, approach, uh, whether it's from Jewish values or other values, is that some of the consensus of the, the, what, what is the field of play that we're in has actually shifted. And I think we've seen this in international politics and national politics in a number of countries. And, and the challenge, I think, is how, how are we more rigorous in making sure that the the Machiavellian politics supplied by some people um, and some some groups and and their right, left, and centre um, uh, can all do it, but don't outwit people who are looking to make society better. And we have to, if, if you like, perhaps be less naive about the assumptions we put into seeking justice. Um, as we move forward. And there, there's a big challenge for us there. Jackie, you wanted to come in and then I'm going to ask you for a closing thought each. Okay. Um, well, I was just going to say that, that I, I also express my total support, uh, obviously, for Jacob. Uh, and uh, thanks to Edie for keeping this on the agenda. Uh, it's so important for the Jewish community 
and uh, all of our souls. So thank you, Edie. Thank you, Jackie. <laughs> so as a parting shot from each of you, if, if uh, I may, I'd like to invite you to suggest one improvement to the UK's approach to justice in the sense that we've understood justice and talked about justice in, in this conversation that you believe would make a significant difference to the well-being and the, the nature of this country. Um, and so maybe I could come to you, Jackie, first, and then I'll come to Edie. I'm going to give a very Jewish answer, education. <laughs> but by education, I mean it in the wider sense that it has to be properly funded from right the youngest to the oldest um, to give everybody a chance. Um, you know, Latin in schools is not going to make it. Um, smaller classes might help. Um, having a, a, you know, a properly funded uh, social um, area around the schools where children don't go to classes hungry, um, where their uh, mental and physical well-being is as important in this holistic atmosphere as uh, learning their two times table. Um, it's um, and, and really making sure that they gain the skills to critically understand what our society is doing and then maybe uh, that will also uh, lead to um, a, a different way of, of organizing our society politically uh, so that you know this education is at the bottom i think of everything that we have here we need to understand and we need everybody to be able to reach their potential and see themselves as a much appreciated much loved um, useful member of society and for them to actually be that as well. Um, that's my dream, a messianic dream, but my dream. And, and why not be messianic? Thank you, Jackie. <laughs> and Edie, how about you? Well, I want to cheat and have a couple, don't I? But if I, when, when we did in response to George Floyd's murder, we did a little resource, 10 things you can do to combat racism. We included to reduce poverty as one of them. People say, well, what does that have to do with racism? But when we look that black children are twice as likely to live in poverty as, as white children, that, in, uh, that poverty for, for black families, black individuals uh, is, is also higher than it is for, for white families. And we know that if you're, if you're poor, if, you, if you're hungry, your ability to participate in life is greatly reduced. And we know that this sort of inequality does also add tension between one group and another group, and something that we talked about before, where one group is pitted versus another group. And, and then we know that this does give more impetus to those far-right activities who are, are looking at our society and saying it's because of X that uh, some of us are poor, some of us are hungry. So for all sorts of reasons, we need a very systematic way to tackle poverty, which includes having uh, uh, 
the um, actual targets. And we have to ha sit down with those range of organizations who know what to do in order, we're not gonna get it to a perfect state, but nevertheless, there are things that we can do in order to reduce some of the resentment. One group may feel this is another, but to give more people that opportunity just to live their lives um, in a way where they have respect for themselves and, and for their country. So I think a lot more emphasis on, on doing that won't solve every problem, but can be one huge step along the way to having a society which is more at ease with itself, which would mean we have a much more positive environment that welcomes asylum seekers and refugees that is much at ease with itself in recognizing the diversity, which is now Britain, and recognizes that we have to engage in that political process in order to make the society a better and a healthier one for all of us, including for us within the Jewish community. Thank you so much, Edie. Um, I, I think I'm going to listen back to those two answers as well as some of the other contributions you've made and uh, embed them in from more firmly into my mind. And I want to thank you both very much for the, the range and quality of the con contributions and the conversation that we've had this morning. Um, I really much appreciated. And uh, on behalf of everyone who's listening, thank you very much. And thank you, Richard, for organising it. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's been a real pleasure and a real honour, as, yes. as Jeffy said at the beginning. So, so thank you for facilitating this and, and making this important conversation happen. And uh, bringing your own great contributions to it. So thank you, absolutely. Richard. <laughs> thank you both very much indeed. My thanks on everyone's behalf go to our guests this week, E.D. Friedman and Rabbi Jackie Tabak. Our thanks also go to Liberal Judaism, Reform Judaism and Leibach College for supporting Progressively Jewish. And as always to you, our listeners, for making this effort worthwhile. Please do send us your questions so that we can build future episodes on your interests, concerns and feedback. Leave a comment with your podcast provider or send an email to us at progressivelyjewish at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to Progressively Jewish and encourage your friends to do the same. In next week's episode, my friend and colleague Rabbi Debbie Young-Summers will be hosting a conversation on the theme of home and what life can be like for people who have been, for whatever reasons, deprived of their own home.